and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. If you haven't heard me speak before, I very much talk to you like we're friends because if I try anything else, it's like pretty cringe and not good. So we're pals today, and I just want to share with you what the Lord has been just been putting on my heart. And I was praying for today's message and just kind of like flipping through. And it's so funny because I I spent Thanksgiving at my dad's house. And so my dad, my sisters, my stepmom, they're all actually Jewish. So they don't get what we do on Sundays. They like truly don't understand it. And one of my sisters was asking me, she was like, so you have to write a sermon. And I said, "Uh uh-huh. She's like, how do you do that? Do you have like an outline? I was like, well, I pray. And I see, I like ask the Lord what he wants his people to know. And she was like, how does that work? Like, does he talk back? And I was like, I mean, yeah, (laughs) he does. And she was like, so you have voices in your head? I was like, no, it's just more of like a knowing. So I had to like walk her through all of that. And she was like, okay, so what are you going to share this weekend? And I thought I was going to share on the prodigal son because that story has just been really big in me lately. But when I was studying, the Lord brought me to, to Samuel, First Samuel, and brought me here. And I told her, I was like, I literally just pray. And in my time of studying, I look to see what like jumps out at me. And if I can't let go of it, if it just kind of really bears witness with my heart, I, I get a, a sense of knowing that it needs to be shared. And so that's what I've done this weekend to prepare for you guys. So we're going to be in 1 Samuel. And as I was flipping through, I got to chapter 2. I know, got super far in my reading. You guys are pretty proud of me. And chapter 2 starts with Hannah's song of thanksgiving. And I was like, ah, doesn't that seem on time? Doesn't that seem perfect? Because, I mean, it's Thanksgiving, right? Or like a little after. So we're going to read that and... Just go from there. I'm really excited, if you can't tell. So Hannah's song of thanksgiving. This is 1 Samuel chapter 2. And it says, Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies, because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Amen. Do not go on boasting so very proudly. Do not let arrogance come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and with him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken to pieces, but those who have stumbled strap on earth. Those who are full hire themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry cease to be hungry. Even the infertile woman gives birth to seven, but she who has many children languishes. The Lord puts to death and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and brings up. The Lord makes 
poor and rich. He humbles, he also exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the garbage heap to set them with nobles. And he gives them a seat of honor as an inheritance. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he set the world on them. He watches over the feet of his godly ones, but the wicked ones are silenced in darkness. For not by might shall a person prevail. Those who contend with the Lord will be terrified. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to his king and will exalt the horn of his anointed. That's a lot, right? Some of you might be like, what does that mean? Don't worry, because I had them put it up in the message translation as well. So we're going to read that one next. <laughs> so if you'll throw that up there, Second Samuel, maybe. There we go. Hannah prayed, I am bursting with God news. I'm walking on air. I'm laughing at my rivals. Everybody say, ha. Ah. Love it. I'm dancing my salvation. Nothing and no one is holy like God. No rock, mountain like our God. Don't dare talk pretentiously. Not a word of boasting ever, for God knows what is going on. He takes the measure of everything that happens. The weapons of the strong are smashed to pieces while the weak are infused with fresh strength. The well-fed are out begging in the streets for crust while the hungry are getting second helpings. The barren woman has a house full of children while the mother of many is bereft. God brings death and God brings life. God brings down to the grave and raises up. God brings poverty and God brings wealth. He lowers and he also lifts up. He puts poor people on their feet again. He rekindles burned out lives with fresh hope, restoring dignity and respect to their lives, a place in the sun. For the very structures of earth are God's and he has laid out his operations on a firm foundation. He protectively cares for his faithful friends step by step, but leaves the wicked to stumble in the dark. No one makes it in this life by sheer muscle. God's enemies will be blasted out of the sky, mm. crashed in a heap and burned. God will set things right all over the earth. He'll give strength to his king. He'll set his anointed on top of the world. A little bit better, right? We're like, okay. We love multiple translations, but amen. Um, not a bad way to start a sermon, I thought, right? Same. Sounds pretty good. But what struck me about this is not just all the amazing things that are in there. And, you know, it, it was Hannah's posture during that time. It says that it is a song of thanksgiving. So this was a song that came from her heart that apparently was so good it had to be written in the big book. And as I was reading this, you guys know I'm, I'm in the middle of, of school, so we're learning how to ask questions as we read. So if something kind of strikes you as odd, ask the question, dig in, and find out what that means. So as I was reading, I was like, man, this, this is some bars in <laughs> a song. And I, I asked myself, I was like, what brought her to that point? How did she get to a place where she could sing this long song? And and have it resonate so much so that they had to put it in the word of God. I, I asked myself, am I in that place where I can lift up a song of thanksgiving that just rejoices and resounds through the earth? 
you know, and then I thought about like Pastor Joel, and I don't know if you guys go to the 6 p.m. services, but that man always has a new song. <laughs> and I'm like, how are we doing this? What, what, what does it take to get to that place, to get to a place of thanksgiving where you can't help but sing unto God, where you can't help to lift praises up? And I was brought to that verse in Colossians. It's Colossians 3, uh, verse 15. And it's, it's so good, and it talks about how we need to lift up songs. We're going to put that up there as well. Shout out to Dom. Can we give it up for Dom? On CG, killing it. The man with the plan. He always has excellent shoe game. If you've never met him, sneakers are fire. But, he said, but it says this, Colossians 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, and as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I was like, okay, so Old Testament and New Testament, this is something we're supposed to do. So she got to a point where she could just sing praises unto God, and then later on in the New Testament, we're told that we're supposed to admonish one another, dwell in, in thanksgiving and, and in gratitude, and also sing these types of songs unto the Lord. So I was like, okay, well, might be missing the mark, because I have not been making up too many songs as of late. Um, and if you have, power to you. If you haven't, we're in unity. We're going to work on that. <laughs> But in order to kind of figure out where Hannah was, I had to learn about her. And um, so if you take it back one chapter in 1 Samuel, we'll read that as well, Samuel 1, that's where we're first introduced to her. So Hannah, Hannah was the wife of Elkanah. She was the favorite wife because he had two. So it was Hannah and Penaniah, or I'm going to call her Penny because I don't want to butcher her name. So Hannah and Penny were, were the wives, but Hannah was the favorite. Hannah was the one that was loved, but Penny was the one that had all the kids. Um, she, she was living life according to the timetable that was customary there, but Hannah was not. Her, Hannah was barren, and so they, they all lived I'm assuming under one roof-ish or whatever, because when it would come time to worship God, to go to the temple, make the sacrifices, Elkanah would always take the whole family up to the temple. So he would take both wives, he would take the kids, he would take however many goats they needed, however many cows. And so we're going to pick up in verse 3. So 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3. Now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of armies in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were priests to the Lord there, which they were trouble, but that's another story for another day. When the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to his wife, Penny, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion because he loved her. Sweet. But the Lord had closed her womb, not as sweet. Her rival, moreover, would provoke her bitterly to, irate, to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. Mm. Sometimes your enemy is in your own family. Mm. Right. Mm. 
And it happened year after year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, that she would provoke her, so she wept and would not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? And that verse always makes me laugh because he's like, baby, baby, why are you upset? You have me. And I like to think she gave him that look that, you know, that wives do that, you know, and then she walks away, (laughs) picking up in in verse nine. Then Hannah got up after eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She greatly distressed prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly, or she lamented. And she made a vow and said, Lord of armies, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your bondservant and remember me and not forget your bondservant, but will give your bondservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And a razor shall never touch uh, his head. Now it came about as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart, only her lips were quivering, but her voice was not heard, so Eli thought that she was drunk. Always assuming the worst in people. You gotta let people pray how they pray. Verse 14, then Eli said to her, how long will you behave like a drunk? Get rid of your wine. Judgmental, Eli. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman despairing in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your bondservant a useless woman, for I have spoken until now out of my great concern and provocation. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant your request that you have asked of him. She said, let your bondservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went on her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. So we're not going to continue to read the rest of the chapter because I know we're doing a lot of reading. I like the reading, but you know. Um, plot, spoiler. Uh, the Lord does see favor and does look down on her and grants her a son. So the next section of that chapter is uh, Hannah dedicating her son Samuel to the Lord. And then right after that, we get Hannah's song of thanksgiving after she's brought Samuel to the temple to worship. And I spent a lot of time with this first chapter because, one, it was kind of, there are areas that were kind of funny to me. Um, And two, I couldn't help but see myself in the story. How many of you know that the, the word of God is alive and you should be able to see yourself in it? And if you're having a hard time seeing yourself, let me point out what I saw when I read this story of Hannah. I saw someone who was stuck in comparison because the woman who was opposite of her had everything that she was supposed to have, and they were living parallel to one another, but but it looked like Hannah had less. I saw someone whose life was falling outside of the cultural standard or timing right, because she's married, so naturally the next thing is for her to have kids, but it was not happening in the order or in the time frame that was suitable. Meanwhile, Penny's out here just popping them out, live, laugh, loving, right? And then I see, I also see someone who's being ridiculed and judged by her own family, 
These are people who coexist together, whose kids will know each other, who labor together, who have the same servants, who have the same husband, who live the same life. But she is being poked, she is being provoked, and it said year after year, years of torment, probably as long as they've been in the same household. The minute that that timing was up for her to, to like appropriately have kids, I'm sure Penny was just like at her door like, you having kids yet? And I know some of you guys just visited family and your family probably asked you, you having kids yet? Or they may have asked you, when are you getting married? That type of thing. When I read the story of Hannah, I see a person whose hope has been deferred and her heart is broken because she's crying out to God. It says she bitterly wept, which means she is lamenting. She's at the very end of her rope and all she has left is a cry unto God. And she's crying so much that she's just like not even making sense. And Eli's thinking she's drunk. So she's really, really upset. And then when I continue to read this, I, I see a woman who has had enough. She's, she's come to a place where all she has is God. All she, the only person she can turn to is God. And that is exactly what she does. And, and she says in, in verse 15, I am a woman despairing in spirit. I have poured out my soul before the Lord. She's at the end of herself with a desire that is so big, with a hurt that is just so massive. All she could do was lay it at the feet of God. And I think there are some of you in here, myself included, where we have these desires, we have these hopes that are so big, but we're still trying to figure it out for ourselves when really we need to be like Hannah and just cry out to God and lay it at, at his feet because he does care. He hears your cries. He hears his people. He knows the desires that are there. And it's so important that we get to that place of submitting to God before we are at the end of our rope. It'll save us so much turmoil. It saves us so much time. It saves us heartache. And I know it's easier said than done to, to say, we celebrate the victory now. We choose joy now. But that's not just like a, a church attitude. That is just not church behavior or whatever. It's, it's, it's biblical. Because you and I know, or at least I hope you know, that you have the, the victory in Christ. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave. So he's going to conquer your loneliness. It's done. He's conquered your heartache. It's done. You're, you're crying out to God. You're laying before him. He hears you and he sees you. And we have the fortunate uh, position of being able to see Hannah's full story to know that, that God does meet her there, that God does bring her a son. But the, the other thing that stood out to, to me about her receiving her blessing and, and adopting this like spirit of thankfulness is that she didn't just cry to God. She didn't just boo-hoo, have a pity party. She cried and she committed to God. She brought God into her desires. And I, I think if we're honest, that's a, that's a place where we're missing it. 
we might say, oh yeah, I want a husband, I want a wife, but we're not saying I want a godly marriage. I, I want a leader of my household where we can worship together and grow spiritually together. We might be saying that we want a new job, but are we saying that we want to be in the position that God wants us to be in? We, we may want healing, but why do you want your healing? To be out of misery or to walk out the plan of God for your life? You have to bring God into your desires. And she, when she said, I will give you, if you bring me a son, I will give him back to you every day of his life. She wasn't praying an empty prayer. She, she knew what she was saying. There are no, God doesn't give us empty promises, and we need to stop giving empty promises to God. Hannah was resolute. When she said, I give my son to you, she knew that she would only see her son when she went to the temple one to two times a year. The son that she had cried over, that she poured her soul out to, but she determined that she could be happy. She would be happy. It says she would no longer be sad to have a son that was hers that she could see twice a year rather than no son at all. Are you willing to give your desire to God even if it doesn't look exactly as conventional as other people's promises may look? That is a hard thing to reconcile. And when I asked myself that, I was like, I need to spend more time there because I don't know if I'm to that point in all areas of my life, but I would like to be. If I say, God, I give this to you, I want to mean it. And what I've been doing lately is I've been trying to catch myself so that I don't say these empty things and then have to be accountable for it later when I'm not spiritually mature to deal with that. So when I say, Lord, I give you my heart, when I pray that prayer, when I sing that in a song, when I say, I give you my cup, I want to mean it. Because I know that when I give him those parts of me, one, they are safe. There is no better guardian than God. But two, I know there's going to be an action that follows that. And I have to be ready to take on that action or, or to obey whatever it is that God's telling me. So we need to commit dreams and the desires, not just our emotions. But it is important to commit your emotions too because God can handle them. I, when I was reading that and thinking about like submitting our dreams to God and how we, we need to know what we're doing or not really know what we're doing because how many of us actually know what we're doing, right? More so knowing who we're committing and who we're trusting. I thought of that, that series that Pastor Joel did, I think it was earlier this year and I couldn't find it, um, but he talked about, um, Oh gosh, putting putting your baby in the Nile. Putting your dream, your desire in the river and, and letting God carry it to safety. And I think we need to circle back to that. We need to get back to putting our dreams and desires in the flow, in the river and in the grace of God and letting him carry it where it should go. And I think once we do that, once we really reconcile that in our hearts and we commit and we say, yes, Lord, I'm doing this, we can adopt that, that spirit of thanksgiving. We can have those songs rise up in our hearts because we know, again, that our dreams and our desires are in safety. 
Our dreams and desires are insecurity. Our calling is insecurity because it's with Christ. And I, I just want that so badly for us. So when we look at Hannah, how did she get to that, that song, that spirit of thanksgiving? She cried out to God. She, she got to that point where she couldn't help but surrender to him. Then she spent time with him because time with God changes things. She was at the temple, and it was outside of the normal time to be at the temple. Are you spending time with God outside of the normal time to be at the temple? It's going to make a difference in how you, you trust him and come to know him. We say this all the time, like Sundays are like, Sundays are great, love Sundays, favorite day of the week, party time in the house of the Lord. But we have to be spending time with God daily, daily. We have to find ourselves at the temple outside of the normal times of sacrifice. Because it was there in that time that Eli happened to be waiting. It was at that time that he was able to, like, after he made sure she was all right, <laughs> he blessed her on the way out. And, and her, it says that her countenance changed. Her whole attitude changed. She walked out of there feeling like, all right, I can handle this. And she was smiling again. The word says that she was no longer sad. If you don't wanna, if you wanna be in that place where you are no longer sad, spend time with God. Let him change you not just spend time with God, but also spend time in the presence of those who know God. Because that makes a difference. It's in that, in that presence of those people that they're able to encourage you and bless you. For this holiday, I, for a long time, I would go like to my dad's house. My dad lives in D.C. And I have like periods where I like just won't go or I will go, won't go, will go, because me and that side of the family, we don't get along great because we believe different things. We grew up different areas, different times. And I like full send was like not going this year. I was like the Grinch, you know, when he tries on the outfit and he goes, that's it, I'm not going, and like storms off. That was me, full, full send. Told my friends, they're like, you're going, right? I said, no, <laughs> I'm not. My, my plan was um, to just have a weekend at home. I was going to buy a rotisserie chicken, me and my rotisserie, some Netflix, maybe a little Bible time. It sounded great. That's what I wanted. But I spent time with God on it, and I had to, like, submit that desire to the Lord, the desire to rest, the desire to be by myself because I had my introverted moments. I had to submit the desire to not go to my dad's. And I had to take time to really cultivate that and see why didn't I want to go. And I had some friends, and I told them about it, kind of gave them some backstory, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going. And they were like, okay. And they started praying for me. And then one of them was like, you should go. And I was like, mm hmm I, don't, I really don't think I should. But time in the presence of people who knew God helped me see the bitterness that was in my heart, helped me see and assess the, the unforgiveness that was in my heart and, and the fear that I had of facing people who I thought were going to, you know, judge me or make for a difficult holiday. 
And I'm so grateful for those friends. I'm so grateful for that company because when I went, I was able to have conversations with my family about God. And I'm believing that those conversations are opening the door for them to believe in Jesus because I'm believing for their salvation. So if you want to know how to pray for me, pray for them. But it was because I spent extra time with God that I could assess my heart. It's because I've surrounded myself with people who know God, they could assess my heart. And it's incredibly humbling when you're, especially if you're like in a place of leadership and you're like, I'm, I pray for you. And they're like, we pray for you. And I'm like, oh gosh, but it's so worth it because it's a refining that I need. And now that I've gone and I've come back again, very happy to be home, elated, jubilant, dare I say but I am glad that I went. I, I have no regrets. It was difficult, it was challenging, uh, it was testing for sure, <laughs> but I, I saw the Lord in it all, and, and it gave me a very specific prayer to pray, and I'm believing like Hannah that I will see this joy set before me. And I'm believing the same for you. In First Samuel, uh, chapter 2. Uh, we'll jump to the, the very end of the chapter in a little bit. So let me, let me walk it back a little bit. So Hannah, the way she got to that place of thanksgiving, to write a song of thanksgiving in her heart, she, she put her desires before the Lord. She spent time with God and around those who knew God. She made that commitment to God, committed her son and knew what she was doing, knew what she was saying. And then we get to see this like sweet ending in chapter 2, verse 18. She'd already dropped off Samuel, and he'd been there as a little boy. I can't imagine that. Crying for a child and holding him and then having to give him away. But it says, Samuel before the Lord as a boy. Now Samuel was ministering before the Lord as a boy wearing a linen ephod, and his mother would make for him a little robe and bring it up to him from year to year when she would come up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. She saw him once a year. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, may the Lord give you children from this woman in place of the one she requested of the Lord. And they went to their own home. The Lord indeed visited Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters, and the boy Samuel grew up before the Lord. I love the ending to that, that story of Hannah because God gave her exceedingly abundantly above all that she could ask, think, or imagine. Her prayer was for one child, and she said, I will commit him to you if you do this for me. And, God, and because she honored her commitment with gladness, because she resolved to, to give her only son to God, he looked down on her favorably and, and blessed her with more children. When I, when I hear that, I, I get excited. I, it's a tremendous sacrifice. But I also see the story of Jesus here. God loves us so much that he gave his only son to be sacrificed. 
His child he gave so that you and me could sit here today under one name and, and, and learn how to have hope again. Learn how to, how to dream again. Learn how to obey. Learn how to trust God. He did that for us. And when Hannah did it, she had a song of thanksgiving. Imagine the songs that are in heaven when, when God had to give his only son. Imagine the songs of thanksgiving that reign over us every time we say yes to God, every time a lost person comes home, every time someone new utters the name Jesus. How tremendous that sound must be. How big that song must be. And if I think of that, I get so excited. Do you? That God rejoices? So in the middle of my struggle, in the middle of my trial, I'm, I'm adopting a spirit of Hannah that, that sings songs of thanks, that sings songs of praise, because God is working on our behalf. That is amazing. So when I, I have a dream or when I, I feel like I'm not measuring up, when I, I feel like things in my life are going out of order, instead of despairing, I'm choosing to lift up a song of thanks, a song of thanks that comes from my heart. Yes, we can sing gratitude. It's a great song. It is a bop. <laughs> but I want to cultivate my own song of thanks unto the Lord, and I want that song to resound in the earth. And some of you are like, well, I don't sing. That's okay. You can still have a song in your heart, a joyful noise in your heart. <laughs> it still counts. So what I, I would like for us to do as we head into the end of, of the service and into worship, we're going to go into a time of prayer where maybe you let the Lord just really minister to your heart where you get to a place where you can't help but lift up a song of thanks, a prayer of thanks. And if you're wondering what that looks like, what that sounds like, it doesn't have to be some big, long thing. It doesn't have to be half a chapter like Hannah. It can just be, thank you, God. Say that over and over and over again until it resonates in your spirit. And then get specific Thank you, God, for breath in my lungs. Thank you, God, for a plan for me. Thank you, God, for a calling. Thank you, God, for healing. Thank you, God, for peace. Thank you, God, for your son, Jesus. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for setting me free. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for sending the Holy Spirit so I have a helper, I have a guide. Thank you, God, for joy, because it is your joy that is my strength. Thank you, God, that when I am weak, you are strong. Thank you, God. It's sounding a bit like a song to me. <laughs> There's so much havoc happening all around us. But there doesn't have to be havoc happening on within us. So be like Hannah. 
lay those worries at God's feet. And if you have no worries, glory to God, you are amazing. I guarantee you know someone around you who's worrying. Stand in the gap for them. Thank God for them. Thank God on their behalf. Because we need the Eli's that are in the room who see the heart cry and will say, may the Lord bless you. May his favor be upon you. May he go with you. And watch God change things. Watch God bring about the promise. Watch God bring about more than anything you could ask, think, or imagine. Watch God bring you peace. Watch God bring deliverance. Wait in an expectancy of all that he can do. So why don't we stand to our feet all over this place and... um, And let's pray and give thanks, and then we'll take communion. So if in your own way you want to lift up your song, your prayer, feel free. Pray out loud. Let God hear you. God, we thank you. We enter your courts with praise and thanksgiving, and we say thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you are. Thank you for who you've been in my life. And we thank you for who you're going to be, God. God, we thank you for bringing us here. We thank you for breath in our lungs, God. We thank you for courage and hope. We thank you for peace that surpasses all understanding, Lord. We thank you for the promises that you have declared over us, Lord. We thank you for the dreams that you have placed in our hearts, Lord. And I thank you that they are not growing dim, but they are burning brighter and brighter. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We say thank you for a Savior who made a way for us to know you, God. God, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for the time you took to create us, God. We thank you. We thank you. God, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for all the times you came through for us when we didn't even know what to do, God. And we thank you for all the times that you will come through, God. We thank you. We thank you for your peace, Lord. We thank you for joy. We thank you for for strength in times of struggle. We thank you for healing in the areas that ail us, Lord. We thank you for mending broken hearts, God. We thank you, Jesus. There is none like you. So we thank you, God. We say thank you. Lord, we adopt a spirit of thanksgiving and we walk through trials, thankfully, knowing that you are fighting on our behalf, God. God, we we stand in thanksgiving and we lavish it on you. Let it be a sweet song that rises up to the heavens that pleases you, God. A song of thanksgiving that comes from our hearts, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your word that is alive today that ministers to us. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. God, there is none like you, so we say thank you. We say thank you, Lord.